Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today, we're going to have a very interesting show. We're going to be dealing with some of the most difficult issues we have in our society, among them, I should say, especially those among children. Children who are disadvantaged in any number of ways, according to the ordinary way of thinking, children with disabilities, children who have different types of emotional, psychological, and physical problems with cognitive functioning, with developmental problems physically and emotionally, children who are resorting to violence, sometimes to self-mutilation. These are problems that are seemingly typically intractable. But it's not true. There has been the development by our guest today, Pat Grisaldo, of the use of the drum, the ancient, ancient instrument that has been with us from time immemorial. In this case now, through Pat's invention, as a therapy that is helping kids and others who are autistic, who have serious developmental problems, physical issues, retrain their brain, their synaptic activity in such a way that these types of problems, serious as they are and seemingly intractable as they seem, appear to be, are not. And these children and others have been restored through restoring their brain to a whole other level of physical and cognitive development. It's brilliant. Pat is known for this groundbreaking drum therapy and for his celebrated nonprofit organization, DAD. Yeah, I love that, DAD, which stands for Drums and Disabilities. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg's administration and the New Jersey Department of Education Commissioner helped Pat to launch DAD in 2004 as a special educational program in both New York and the New Jersey school systems. Psychologists, neuroscientists, teachers, law enforcement agencies, child protection agencies, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and behavioral therapists in over 15 countries are currently using Pat's revolutionary drum therapy techniques in their schools, mental health facilities, hospitals, and therapy centers. This effort helps disabled children and adults develop physical and cognitive functioning. Pat was also invited to the White House in the G.W. Bush administration in an effort to help bring his pioneering drum therapy techniques to help wounded troops, soldiers, throughout the United States. In 2012, under President Obama, the United States Department of State brought Pat to the West Bank region of Israel to help disabled Israeli and Palestinian children with his groundbreaking techniques of drum therapy. Pat has been the lead story on NBC, CBS, ABC News, and other major media outlets on a global basis. He had a four-page feature interview 
in Modern Drummer magazine and featured in other major media outlets as well, such as WABC-TV, MSNBC, ABC-TV, CNN, USA Today, NBC-TV, The LA Times, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, Fox Morning Show, and now, without further ado, A Better World Radio. So... Pat Grisaldo, I want to welcome you to A Better World and uh, just to applaud you from the beginning for your outstanding work. And it's so good that you have been recognized and are able to help so many people across the world in this, you know, as I said, seemingly intractable space. Uh, So thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, It's a great honor to be on the show and to uh, have an outreach to all of your listeners. Yeah, well, good. I really would love you to uh, take us step-by-step about, number one, how you came about this, what your own personal story is, and the way this is now beginning to literally flourish, not just in the United States, but elsewhere, and then we'll also get into some of the science. How, Pat, did you first come into this. I mean, we all know about music therapy and the healing nature of music. It's actually been with us, well, it's been with us for many thousands of years, but even the science has been demonstrating to us for certainly the last 50 to 100 years the healing therapeutic nature of music. Uh, But what you're doing is rather, it's related, but actually rather significantly distinct. So we'll get into that too. But what is it about drumming that first attracted you and then became the basis of your therapy? Well, um, for whatever reason, I wanted to be a drummer uh, from a very early age. And um, really, I, to this day, I really don't understand why, um, especially uh, the fact that I had a severe battle with the disability myself as a child. So those what two things right there. What type of disability? Well, I originally, well, originally doctors thought I might have had cerebral palsy. Thankfully, I didn't, uh, but I didn't speak till I was about four years old. And when I tried to speak, I had a severe stuttering problem so I actually couldn't speak. Um, I had braces on my legs from my ankles to my knees because I had no fine motor skills and no coordination. And I was also severely dyslexic, so I couldn't read. And But at the same time, I wanted to be a drummer. How ironic is that, right? <laughs> yeah, very interesting. And nobody knew, so, you never had a, uh, a, a diagnosis that you felt really hit the mark. Do you have other siblings that have any kinds of problems of the sort? Uh, no, sir, I do not. No, uh, I have an older sister, but no, there were no issues uh, with her, thankfully. Uh-huh, so, right, exactly. Um, yeah, so, but whatever for whatever reason, I just wanted to play the drums, and it was so hard for me. It took me, well, let's see, many, 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 many years to be my disabilities. Um, uh, and it was all done through drumming. I used to play three to four hours every day, and it took me one year of playing three to four hours every day just to be able to coordinate my left hand and my left foot to come down together at the same beat. Wow. Remarkable. But you persisted. 
Yes, sir, I did. It was, when I tell you it's the equivalent of uh, trying to thread and uh, put a thread through the eye of a needle with uh, your eyes closed. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was horrendous. And I honestly, I don't think I could do that again if I had to do it now. Um nor would I want to because of the fact that uh, who knows where I'd be today. First of all, I wasn't for the love and support of a very few special teachers and the love and support of my family. Without them, I don't know where I'd be today. That's for sure. So yes. that program is definitely a tribute to them. And yes. I am just so grateful to be able to return what I was so fortunate to have received to begin with. Yes, exactly. So you, in short, use drumming path then to essentially overcome your own disability. Although it sounds like you did that through your own grit, discipline, commitment, and just a, a nonstop attitude. But you have since found the sort of the, the neurophysiological basis of what it is drumming does, a certain kind of drumming in particular, uh, and what happens inside the brain and the nervous system. So speak about that a little bit and how you came came across that. Well, um, I realized obviously with myself that it helped me beat my disabilities 100% by the time I was in high school. Uh, of course, and I'll never say that drum therapy is a cure, but I didn't know at the time the way in which I was teaching myself would later be known as drum therapy and also uh, evolve into the dad program. Of course, I had no idea about any of that. But how it kind of stumbled upon it is that when I graduated college, I opened up a private teaching practice of teaching the drums. I was also a very accomplished uh, professional drummer, which I guess I can say I still am. So I've yes. worked with a lot of major musicians and record company projects and tours. Such and as who, of, just uh, for fun? Who who have you played uh, well, with? Well, I've worked with members of Kiss and Deep Purple, uh, Quiet uh -huh. Riot, um, uh, members of Rob Halford's band from Judas Priest, Mike Romeo from Symphony X, who was... Uh, who was nominated as the third best prog metal guitarist of all time. So uh -huh. I've done a lot of different things, drumming, but of course the dad yeah, program high is very yeah. Oh yes, sir, yes. And and I'm so grateful to be able to do that. I mean, just be able to have that dream. Never mind to overcome what I had to overcome, but just to be able to do things like that. And then of course exactly. to to go on to the dad program and drum therapy. Um and that's yeah. something I always keep with me no matter what I'm doing. Um, it's it's always about the little boys and girls and their families and any way that I can help them. Absolutely. So you went from, let's say, healing. Cure is a funny word, but let's just say heal, which means to make whole, which, you know, creates a symmetry again in the brain, a coherence in the brain, in the heart, the body. And you got the cells operating again the way they uh, sort of are best operating biologically and people also emotionally. So um, when you discovered this, you began to experiment and you ran some tests. Why don't you tell about those original tests that you ran with some of your colleagues? 
Yeah, well, what I did was um, I had started a private teaching practice. And this was all, a lot of this actually, I'm sorry not to interrupt, but a lot of this was done right out in Montville, New Jersey, right? Which is not so far uh, from the Big Apple. Uh, yeah, Montville, New Jersey, Avenel, New Jersey, where I grew up in Woodbridge Township. Um, yep. That's originally where I grew, grew up. And so um, I had opened a private teaching practice where I was teaching about 70 uh children a week and for whatever reason fate would have it most of them had some type of disability and I never ever um, expected to be teaching children with disabilities when I opened up my studio Uh, I was really shocked that as the universe would have it these all these kids with whether it was autism Tourette's um, dyslexia ADHD ODD OCD were somehow migrating to me without me Define, if you would, please, define ODD. Oppositional defiance disorder, where uh, in some cases can be very significant, where a child will just be uh, so oppositional, they will hit you, they will throw things at you, which I've also experienced. Um, mm-hmm. all, all of those things through oppositional defiance disorder. Uh, it can be very mild or it can be very severe. So I've had kids with um, with those issues as well, with behavioral issues. And, um, and yeah. I'll get into that. Well, the DSM-5 defines it as, you know, the the uh, psychiatric uh, Bible. DSM-5 yeah. defines it literally as, quote, a pattern of angry, irritable mood, argumentative, defiant behavior, or vindictiveness lasting at least six months. You know, on one hand, you know, it's very real. There are kids who behave this way. On the other hand, um, being at certain ages, uh, it's healthy to be defiant. So I just want to make that point. But anyway, please go on. We're talking about a uh, obviously a, a serious imbalance and an extreme condition of this kind of defiance. So, please go ahead. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's not just, and that is very well put, that it's not so much just a child lashing out at his parents as he becomes a teenager, she becomes a teenager. It's right. it's a much more serious problem. So, um, even children with muscular dystrophy, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, Tourette syndrome. So, I had many of these students, and I was noticing that the way in which I was, I had helped myself so many years earlier, I was helping these children to develop retention, fine motor skills, sensory integration, social skills, and physical and cognitive therapy and um, functioning. So I was. But they came to you for drumming lessons, correct? They wanted to be drummers just like you. Yep, and I had no idea, never once, and not that I was ashamed of it, but I just never thought of you know, doing drum lessons for special needs kids. So I never promoted that in any way, shape, or form. I always kept that to myself. I, I mean, this is and just then, a rather, uh, how do I say, synchronistic uh, miracle of life. I mean, you had gone on, sure, you had that very, very challenging uh, childhood and overcoming your own disabilities, which you managed to do through drumming. Uh, but then you went on to become a professional drummer uh, with music as the focus and the intent, not being therapeutic. But when you had your own practice, 
uh, your own uh, giving lessons, it ended up that the people who were coming to you out of 70 a week, most of them were actually disabled or ill in one form or another. I mean, how did that happen? You know, it's an amazing universe just to contemplate that one thought. Uh, but I don't want to interrupt you. I'm just, I'm just musing on the way things work in this universe. Uh, you know what? It surprises me too, not to sound narcissistic, but it really does. And that's why I, I talk about uh, somebody meant to do something, right? And, and I'll tell you, I take that so seriously, Mitchell, because right now, and especially over the 11 years that I've had the DAD program as an official nonprofit organization, but over 20 years of doing drum therapy, um, you know, something I take very seriously. So I'm not so much worried about having to be in a major band or playing in Bruce Springsteen's band or something like that. Well, that's all fine and good, but I know sure. what I was meant to do and what God wants me to do. I, I have to say that. And so that's why I take it so seriously because it's astonishing. When I look back, and again, not to sound narcissistic, but of what I had gone through and to get to where I am today and knowing that fight, and I think that's what helps so much helps these children and these parents so much is because, you know what, I was one of those kids. I know what right. those kids go through. I know what their parents yeah. go through. Nobody was there for me. Nobody was there for my parents. So I know how hard it is all the way around, whether you're trying to go through school, whether you're trying to develop an IEP, which is a special education curriculum, right down to actually physically trying to write, physically trying to walk, or trying to read. Exactly. I mean, there's nothing narcissistic whatsoever in what you're saying. Not at all. Maybe what you were thinking about is egoic, but not that either. This is so obvious an example of when someone is called to perform a certain kind of role in this world. The elements conspire together to line it up. So of all people of those 70 or so that were coming to you at that period of your life were disabled, many of them. I don't say all, but so many. And through that, is it so then that you began to evolve a system that would not only teach them how to drum, but would also begin to uh, create the healing effects in their brain and nervous system that you're referring to? How did that, how did that develop? Well, I realized that the way in which I was teaching them was helping them to some degree. And I never say drum therapy is a cure, but it was healing them. It was helping to some degree. Now, in my case, it absolutely did, was a cure for me. No two ways about it. Um, and I'm so grateful for that as well, let me tell you. Um, of but, and it was so much work. Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> as I said, that was just so difficult. It, it, I, I just can't even begin to explain how difficult it was on a monumental level. But anyway, uh -huh. so when I realized that I was helping them develop retention, coordination, social skills, uh, I said, wow, I, I think I'm really onto something here. So I had done, started doing some research and monitoring them, the students that I had over a year, 
and and seeing how they were progressing in various uh, cognitive and physical ways. And then I put the program together. I sat down with Mayor Bloomberg's administration, and I said, listen, I said, I would like to put a program together, and I know I wanted to do three things. I wanted to help children, I wanted to help teachers, and I wanted to help parents. And I think we could do it starting as a school program. So they're like, well, what do you think you want to do? I said, well, let me just go in and do it. And I went in with drum pads for one class, drum pads and drumsticks, worked with 10 kids. And from there, I developed the modalities of drum therapy. Um, and then from there... Right in, right in the school started, system. Right in the school, right in the school system. School system, okay, yeah. Via, mm-hmm. via, to be example, via, uh, to be uh, specific, PS282 in uh, mm-hmm. Brooklyn was the very first mm-hmm. school we were in. And, um, and then, of course, it came over here to New Jersey um, done an interview with uh, New Jersey Educators Association magazine. And then from there, that's when it really took off, and, and the Department of Education Commissioner for the state of New Jersey at the time also helped me on this end to get in contact with teachers, and, of course, the Teachers Magazine helped. And then I started getting all these calls and then from teachers, and then it just branched out from there. And then it, I started getting calls, which is also amazing, from people all over the world, from doctors and neuroscientists and occupational therapists and physical therapists and drum teachers and speech therapists and saying and, and how that happened. If you ask me to this day, I have no idea. And like I said, if I really tried to plan that myself, it probably would have been a miserable disaster. But it just... <laughs> It just went, and then I started getting lists from all over the world. And I was like, how is this happening? I don't know, but I'm just going to go with it. And then I realized that I had to devise a uh, teaching program because obviously I can't be everywhere myself. So uh, it was actually my attorney who said, you know, you really need to replicate yourself and what you do and teach others. And I said, you know what, I think you're right because uh, I can't be everywhere. So then I started a certification program where somebody could do a drum therapy training um, and they could uh, get certified with me. I am the only organization, we're the only uh, organization in the world to designate somebody as a drum therapist. And I do all the training myself in drum therapy only because uh, I developed it myself, obviously. So I never, ever want to relegate that to somebody else because I know exactly how each thing has to work, especially for each disability. And I'll take you inside the classroom if you want to of what a typical classroom might be like if you're interested in hearing about that. Oh, yes, please. So we work with no more than 10 children at a time. And within that group of 10 children, I might have a child who is uh, autistic, I might have another child who is severe ADHD running around the classroom, literally, one or two. I might have a child who has severe ODD uh, sitting there either trying to come up and hit me with a, with a chair or throw drumsticks at me or a drum pad or just come up and hit me. I might have a child that has dyslexia and they're trying to figure out the difference between the right hand and the left hand. I might have a child with a sensory integration issue who's also laying on the floor covering his ears because just the noise of a drum pad is too loud. All going on at the same time, mind you, in one class. So now you have to work with each one of these kids 
at the same time to try to help them individually and as a group with their disability to develop retention, fine motor skills, social skills, uh, physical and cognitive functioning. So that's what a basic class is like for us on a daily basis. In these classes of approximately 10, with all of the different types of disabilities and cognitive issues, physical and emotional problems, you conduct the class and the same lessons will be applying to all or do you have to make unique decisions and distinctions for each of the types of problems? Yeah, because I'll have to deal with each disability at the same time immediately. So, for example, if Johnny has ADHD and he's literally running around the classroom because he can't sit still, um, I'll say, okay, Johnny, sit down. At the same time, there's Susie who has is severely defiant, and she's like throwing drumsticks at me or just sitting there with her arms folded and saying, I'm not going to do this at all. So now I have to get her engaged. Then I have to get the other child who may have dyslexia and try to help them figure out the difference between the right hand and the left hand or, and several other issues that may but is occur. It, is it one point. size, once you begin the rhythms, is it one size fits all or do you have to vary the patterns per, let's just say for the moment, diagnosis per, per, per yeah. child? Yes. You do. And, you have to and, vary it. Okay. Yeah. So while you're it, it working with Susie, what's Joey doing or Johnny? Well, Joey or Johnny, if he's, again, running around or just tapping the drum pad maybe it, uh, constantly because he has ADHD. So I'll have to have him do one thing and then uh, Susie do something else. And then and then what I'll do is then I'll bring everybody together with the same uh -huh. beat. So if I say, okay, everybody, play right, left, right, right. Now I have all these things happening at the same time. Within one beat of right hand, left hand, right hand, right hand, right, left, right, right, I now have to deal with that pattern with all of these various disabilities. So, and then okay. help them, each one of them, to be able to play the right, left, right, right pattern. Okay. So it does even though it may start off as sort of separate patterns, it looks like it begins to become more of a cohesive whole as the time passes in the classroom. Yes, and it's yeah. using, and it's helping each, then focusing on each one of those kids to yeah. help them with that right, left, right, right, to be able to help them overcome their own issues, whether it's yeah. Susie having dyslexia or Johnny having ADHD. So... Um, it's a, it's quite a challenge, but we've had definitely. some great success. Though. Yeah, definitely. Well, some I'd like to statistics. share with the audience, Pat, a little bit of this article uh, that uh, from Surrey, England, and Montville, New Jersey. A couple of uh, short paragraphs. For people with autism and cognitive disabilities, the synapses in the brain ineffectively communicate with each other. Playing repeated patterns of music can retrain these synapses and can help these people reestablish the correct synaptic pathways. The study was conducted by uh, several uh, top research directors and scientists 
including yourself, at the uh, and the head teacher for the Woodland Grange School. Playing repeated patterns of musical rhythms, the researchers refer to as drum therapy. It has helped the study participants to retrain the synapses in the brain and develop physical and cognitive functioning. The study participants in our school, quote, behavior, self-mutilation, and have achieved a 100% attendance record as a result of the drum therapy research, says head teacher Colin Jenkinson. Their parents and I are in total disbelief of their success. That's remarkable. One last paragraph. Several clinical research studies prove that drumming is beneficial in the treatment of disabilities. To test this theory, the investigators for this study tested five children ages 9 to 15 and four adults between the ages of 30 and 55. The participants had autism, ODD, dyslexia, and violence, plus behavioral issues. The researchers measured the participants' ability and behavior and exposed them to specific methods of drum therapy. All of the participants' abilities were severely limited since birth. One adult, Johnny, was extremely limited, nonverbal, severely low-functioning with no coordination and needed assistance with walking. One adult, Larry, had autism. One adult, Joe, had violence issues and was low-functioning. One adult, Andre, had ODD. Three children had ADD and dyslexia. One child had violence issues and engaged in frequent self-mutilation. Two of the children had violence issues and low school attendance records. Six months into the study, the nonverbal adult Johnny could count to ten verbally and do cross-opposite hand and foot patterns at the same time. The one child completely stopped self-mutilation. The three children with ADD and dyslexia improved their retention and coordination. Two children no longer had violence issues and achieved 100% school attendance records. That's just remarkable. Nobody gets a hundred percent in anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really, I have such I, a big smile on my face right now, Mitchell, because I remember each one of those people, as you mentioned, especially Johnny and Andre, uh-huh. just amazing. And and just there was John. When I saw Johnny, uh, when I saw Johnny actually being able to do a right hand and a left foot at the same time, and he couldn't he couldn't barely walk. He had no coordination at all. And yes. Andre, who who was severely um, handicapped, his hands from his physical disability is almost like his hands were backwards. And I'd have to yes. hold up the drum pad so that he could move his wrist backward in his wheelchair and that I could hold the, the wrist so that he would hold the drumstick and play backwards. It was amazing. Remarkable. And, Remarkable. Oh, and it, it was just Unbelievable. And I, like I said, I am just so grateful to be able to help in, in just some small way. It sounds like more than a small way. way. You are yeah, listening it's... to A Better World uh, Radio with Mitchell J. Rabin. We are on every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as it can be listened to in archive at our website, abetterworld.tv, A Better World. 
TV. We have a weekly free newsletter, so please go to that website and sign up for it. Love to have you part of a better world community and family. Today we are speaking with Pat Griswoldo, who is the founder of DAD, the Drumming and Disabilities Organization, a nonprofit research organization, and in Monkville, New Jersey. It's helping people across the world, 15 different countries, using what he developed as drum therapy, and it is retraining the brain in ways that these very serious issues from physical disabilities, low cognitive functioning, violence, self-mutilation, autism, these are being healed with stunning success. So tell me more of the track record that you've developed, Pat, uh, now that the programs are in 15 different countries. Uh, tell me something more about the numbers that you have seen come through now that it's been in action for some years. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful. Um, and there are some success stories, like you had mentioned, that also stick out in my head especially besides Johnny and Andre. Um, for example, there was one little boy that I worked with who was nine years old. He was autistic. Um, he could speak to some extent, but not too much. He could never express that he was hungry. He could never express how he felt. So one day I, <laughs> I get a call from his grandmother saying, Pat, You'll never believe what Tyler just did. And I'm like, oh, I can only imagine. Okay, what did Tyler do? Well, last night he, at 10 o'clock, he went into the refrigerator, picked up a dozen eggs, smashed them on the floor, and said, I'm hungry. I want to eat. And then <laughs> this morning he took a little pop and put ice cubes in it and said, I'm thirsty. I want to drink. Now, that's very significant because – Part of bringing the thought process together with a physical action, you could see where Tyler, never being able to say that he was hungry before, he took the eggs and smashed them on the floor because that represented the synaptic uh, pathway Connection. of yeah uh, yeah yeah of saying of, of physically doing something, combining that with the feeling. So he was feeling that he was hungry and physically hitting the drum pad. So he combined the eggs and throwing them on the floor as hitting the drum as hitting the drum pad with the feeling of I'm hungry, I want to eat. Yes. And yes. the same thing with being thirsty. It's just when I heard that I was just like, well another case was we had a sixteen year old boy sing for the very first time. And I'll tell you there are a lot of tears in this program because there are so many milestones reached for the very first yes. time. Johnny was fifty five years old. Um Tyler was nine. This other uh, kid that I was talking about was 16 years old. Sang for the mother heard him sing for the very first time. Oh my goodness! It's just, it's just amazing. It Remarkable. Really now let me ask you: uh, Are there examples of children or others who you find are not responding, or respond more slowly than others? What is the kind of time frame you're looking at? And as I asked. Are there those that do not seem to respond 
at all. Uh, yes, and uh, and that is definitely absolutely the case, especially with very low cognitive functioning um, children, for example, uh, children who are on um, respirators, uh, portable respirators in wheelchairs, that they can't move at all. All they could do is maybe blink their eye because that's how low functioning they are. It's almost in a vegetative state. Mm-hmm. And they're that low functioning. So, but just to do be their able eyes? To get, do they look like they are uh, blinking their eyes in rhythm to the drums? Yeah, because I'll say now, when I hit the drum pad, blink your eye as I hit the drum pad, okay. and they blink their eyes. If I go one, two, three. They'll go one, two, three with blinking their eyes. Well, that uh, is which, a which very is good. That's a very. I, I would not call that a defeat. I I think I with what they're physical muscular coordination is that's a success yes however little yes it is so uh but again unfortunately uh, uh, and i wish it could be different i wish i could get them to move their hands or their their legs or to be able to breathe without a respirator but obviously there's only one person who could do that and he lived over two thousand years ago so you know as far as that goes (laughs) I'm not going to limit it to that, but nonetheless, I mean, you're making headway. I'll say that. But uh, what what are some other examples where you have just not seen any change at all? Do you have any um, sense of what that is and why that is? Yes. Uh, It's it's just to the point where they are so – uh, their functioning is so low, their functioning ability cognitively and physically, that it's just impossible um, for them to do anything. But, again, if I can get them at least to do some part of a command or a rhythm or a beat or something like that, to me, like you said, that is a, that is a success. That's all yes. we can do. So, well, you know, if we look at if we look at the issues around violence uh, and around things like self-mutilation. These are so serious and are considered, of course, to be uh, psycho-emotional issues, sometimes in utero, sometimes thereafter, and are associated with parenting frequently, not with a physical disorder, low self-esteem, poor self-image to the extreme, et cetera, et cetera. So that would you say you are achieving success in those uh, in those kids that have those issues with some consistency? Uh, yes, uh, especially with our research study out of Woodland Range where the kids actually stopped cutting themselves. Oh, I was so happy to hear that, the self-mutilation. Um, and I'm just glad that, that they, it's something they can attach to and that makes them happy. Even if they are, exactly. even if we get back to the low-functioning standpoint, even if they can't do anything but they just smile because they're having fun, just to make somebody be able to smile is just... Absolutely, but what you're doing is, and I completely appreciate that, what's going on here, Pat, by the sound of it, is something very physiologically 
profound in the drum patterns that you are teaching them. It's having this kind of salubrious effect on the brain, a therapeutic effect that is bringing together, I mean, you in the eggs on the floor is an association between feeling and uh, uh, thought and an action. And that is remarkable. So it's like you're taking what were disparate uh, neural activities and wiring them together. So it sounds like you're promoting the associative, the natural associative function that the brain ordinarily engages but in these cases with these kids for whatever reason it's not working sort of normally until that is you start working with them and the drumming process is bringing this into alignment does that make sense yeah yeah it absolutely does and you put that way better than I ever could have so thank you for that um, and I really sure. do mean that. And yeah, and even even the social patterns where you get a, a child who uh, another amazing thing is from the social aspect where you get a child who is just either too shy or does have an opposition to doing anything, and you break them apart in the classroom. And I take two kids at a time or three kids at a time, and I say, okay, you're going to develop one beat together. This group is going to develop, three of you are going to develop another beat together. And at the end, we're each going to show the class what we came up with. And then I'll pair off with, I'll go with the first three kids, the second three kids, the third three, the third group of three children, and work with them individually for a few minutes. And then they'll all play their beats for each other. The group one of three will do it, group two, group two of three will do it, group three of three will do it. And they'll play all for each other. And it's amazing how those kids that wouldn't even want to play with each other on the playground in school are now helping them. Okay, Susie, hold the drumstick a little bit tighter so that you can get a better grip. Or if I'm telling them to do a beat, they'll actually help each other. And they'll actually get up and stand in front of the class and be able to uh, help me teach a class because there's part of the program where I, I have them work with me as they're a conductor or they're a teacher. And... It takes a while. Now, some of those kids are just so uh, afraid. Uh, and, and this also goes to um, uh, sexual abuse as well. We had one girl who was sexually abused who could not look at a man. She would hide her face from every male person that she saw, literally. And uh, I finally was able to bring her out of that and stand in front of the class. I mean, she would actually put her head in her shirt, put her jacket over her head, Anytime there was interaction with a male, a male teacher, uh, she would only respond to females. So then I got her to stand up with me and work with the male students. How amazing is that? Oh, unspeakably. And you being male. Yeah, that, yeah. And, that, and let me tell you something. You asked me how long it takes. That mm-hmm. took months because she would just sit there with her head in her jacket for months and not even look at me, not even talk to me just sit there with or, or, or her jacket over her head. And I would still work with her. It's okay. I'm going to help you. We're going to work together. We're going to do some patterns. Until she finally one day took her jacket off her head and looked at me in the eye and was able to uh, do the drumming with me. And then eventually I 
graduated her from there to then working with the class. Mm. The class. It's just so beautiful. She would have to walk down the hallways ah. in the school like that. And she'd have to have an, yeah. an aide guide her because she couldn't. So it's just things like that that I, I, I'm just so happy it's to be so able to So heart-nourishing. It's unbelievable. There are hardly words to describe how moving this work is. Question, Pat. When you have taught other teachers, psychologists, educators of all sorts, others, to conduct classes with drum therapy, have you seen the same types of results that you've gotten yourself directly, or has there been a change? Um, I have seen uh, success with that uh, from other people doing it which is wonderful, too. So that proves that, I mean, I guess I do it, I can't say I do it in a different way than somebody that I train because I try to train them in the same exact way that I do it, but it's always going to be inherent within me when I do it because I guess I developed it that way. So it's not it's not like a manufacturing line, for example, you know, right. where... Everyone is going to have, each it. teacher is going to have their own style. Yes, but then I try to make it cookie cutter because when you're trying to retrain the synapses in the brain, there are certain things you have to do. And in order to achieve that success, there are certain modalities of drum therapy that need to be done so that it will help to create that advancement, of course, and that success. Mm -hmm. So having other people do it, yeah. And I think it's, it's great because... I developed drum therapy so that you don't have to be a drummer to do it. That's why doctors do it and speech therapists do it without even ever knowing what a drum is. Uh, And it takes some time to train them, of course, just as it does maybe a drummer who has no idea the physiology side of things or the cognitive side of how the brain works. So bringing those two things together sometimes can be challenging. And drum therapy isn't for everybody. Not everybody wants to do it. But um, it, it is uh, it is amazing that um, I'm able to be to teach them in that way, and then and then see them progress and, and nurture the drum therapy movement and expand it. Absolutely. Uh, now, do you give me uh, you know the best um, understanding that you have of what the rhythms that you're teaching? Uh, what they're actually doing to the brain. As best as you understand, you've been interacting with neuroscientists now for a few years. What what do they think is going on with these patterns and how they are retraining the synaptic activity? Well, I think it's the way I approach the pattern to the to the child or to the student, to the participant, for example. Uh-huh. So um, somebody with autism, I, I, can use, I can use a specific example to your question. So let's say somebody with autism, for example, and they're looking away, yet I still need them to hit the drum pad. But if they're looking away, they're not going to be able to concentrate on the drum pad. So what I'll do is I'll take two drumsticks, one in my right hand, one in my left, and make like a, um, a field goal like a goalpost, 
and I'll have them look within those two drumsticks, within that space, and stare me right in the eye until they mm. can then look down at the drum pad. And, and I say, no, follow me. And then I lock into their eyes, and I, as, as I'm moving down, moving down, moving down, moving down, boom, they hit the drum pad. And mm. so what I'm training them to do is focus. And at the same time, which is also pretty amazing, and I saw this within myself only years later, is that all the senses come together at the same time. So that's why a school psychologist will ask me to say, they'll ask me to, to diagnose a class. And I'll come out five minutes later, and literally I will have every diagnosis of what a child has, even if the school psychologist didn't get it, because I'm able to see <laughs> things and how they react, which they uh-huh. never knew. You know, that's amazing. Well, I say, well, Johnny has this and Susie has that. Well, how do you know that? I can say, well, because they didn't do this this way. This happened this way. They couldn't process this. They processed this, but in that way. And they physically couldn't move this way, so therefore they have this, 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 or that. Mm. So interesting. So interesting. And with autism, with autistic kids, you you've had... Persistent, consistent success. Yes, uh, especially the one. There's so many different. There's so many different types of and levels of severity of autism. So you're saying well, really, full spectrum. Yeah, full spectrum, and that was the one boy who was 16 years old that sang for the very first time. And that I just worked with a beat and a pattern and singing out loud, and, and he just could not get him to do it. He could not. It, it was it was like trying to break through concrete with a toothpick. And then finally one day, there he was, and then months later, boom, he just started singing. His mother just happened to be there, and she just started bawling, and I started crying. It's like, oh, my goodness, and... You know, that's why I say there's a lot of tears in the program because you oh, see them boy. reach these levels for the very first time. It's just yes, amazing. exactly. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. And, again, physically handicapped people. I, I know that there's low and there's low, low, you know, near vegetative. But uh, above the low, low, again, you have seen people, even with cerebral palsy, yeah, my issue, when I had to have um, my braces, and at the time when I had the braces on my legs, do you remember the braces where they had the cup and they, were the, they had the metal rod coming down the side and then the shoe uh-huh. that you would fit in and it was one metal piece, very, very yeah. heavy? And I yeah. used those to actually have to go, my doctors had to use those with me right, left, move my right foot, bring it up, bring it down balance myself on a board, one foot on the board, one foot off the board. Uh, yeah, and, and and my sister was always afraid to tuck me into bed. My sister's four years older than me. And she was always afraid to tuck me in the bed when it was uh, thundering or lightning outside because she was always afraid I'd get struck by lightning from the metal braces on my yeah. leg. Wow. So, <gasps> like, yeah. It'll be okay. I'm not going to get struck by lightning right. inside the house. She was always terrified of that. But remarkable. Um, but yeah. So, but, but so you have seen success in those types of really rather regressed people. 
Yeah, even the littlest bit. And sometimes not at all because, as I mentioned, it is so much of a vegetative state that they they just they can't do anything. So I will say, okay, try to, and that's not going to stop me. I'm going to say, okay, just move your finger an inch off, off, off the desk or, or yeah. off your armrest of the wheelchair. And many times, yeah. of course, they just, they just can't do it. But that doesn't stop me. I'm still going to try to help them do it. And I'll go over. Now, many of these cases I mentioned with Andre in the wheelchair, I will actually help them to, so if they can't physically do it for a child who unfortunately is paralyzed in a wheelchair, I will actually go. And if I say, okay, go right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, I will go over and move their leg, lift it up, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, even though they physically cannot do it. And, but they enjoy sure. it at the same time. Sure, great. sure. Now, are these most of the children? No, I was going to say, so even if they physically cannot do it, at least they're getting some enjoyment from me helping them do it. By all means. By all means. Now, are most of these kids on medication of one sort or another? And if so, how does that affect their ability to get retrained? And have you worked with kids that are not on medication at all? And is the improvement more rapid? That is a great question. Um Yes, working with children with medication. Uh, I always look at drum therapy as an additional therapeutic intervention. And some of those kids, while I don't like medicine, uh, they always tried to get me to take medicine as a kid, and I never did mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for whatever reasons, uh, even though I didn't uh-huh. have hyperactivity. You're so, a smart kid. That's why you were a smart kid. Oh. I just never, ever, ever want like, yeah, just no way, not going to happen. Yeah. And so, but a lot of these kids obviously do need medication, and I understand that. So I look mm-hmm. at it as, as a therapeutic, uh, inter, additional therapeutic intervention, and if it can help with their medication, with the effect of the medication, that's great. How does it work with them while they're on medication? Well, it can help a child with ADD to focus. For example, so if somebody's on Wellbutrin and they're trying to use that to try to concentrate as hard as it is, um, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. Just yesterday, I have a nine-year-old little boy with me, Eddie, and I was trying to get him to do, my drum set has six tom-toms around it on the front. So I tried to get him to do four beats on on each tom-tom. Tom, Tom, one, two, three, four, five, and six. Four beats on one, four beats on the other one. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Well, of course, it'd be one, two, one, two, three, maybe one, two, three, four on the last Tom, Tom. Finally, I got him to go slower, to go play all four beats, one, two, three, four on each Tom, Tom, all across all six of them. And then I tried to get him to go to five, and that's when he just started jumping up and down and carrying on because it was too frustrating. I took them right to that point, and then they had mm-hmm. to back off. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of times that has to happen. Now, he was not on any medication. So, again, being able to get him to do that, maybe he would not have been as frustrated if he was on medication, but that's where the therapeutic intervention 
the healing um, part of it comes in because even though he was not on medication, I was still using the drum therapy as a form of medication to help him concentrate to do the one, two, three, four. Yes. Now, we're going to work over the months now and see in weeks and days to see how and how long it takes me to get him to do five and even six and maybe even ten. Now, he may, may or may not be able to do that, but we'll find out in the future. But you're pushing the envelope, and then there's, you know, in Chinese medicine, with which I'm familiar, it's like pushing what we call extreme yang, the outward action, and then it reaches the point where it switches and shifts into the yin, which is the receptive and the recessive and the non-doing. So you go to the extreme of one and then there's a, a decontraction or relaxation where the parts that got pushed become reintegrated and it allows then for future progress after the resting. It's like sleep and activity. It's the same kind of metaphor between action and inaction. It's like exercising. You press and push the muscles to a certain point, to a limit, and you can't really do more, and then you relax. And that relaxation is as important to the develop the breakdown first and then the re- the building up of the muscle as the actual exertion itself. Yes, and and in my case with the cognitive development. Um perfect example for somebody with ADHD or severe ADHD. The one thing mm-hmm. I'll do yesterday, I again yesterday too before my private student I was at one of the schools. And there was one group I had of six kids that were severely ADHD. I mean, they couldn't even sit down. They had to get up and run around the stage of where we were because uh, we do it in one of the schools that has a performing arts center. So there's a stage, like a 40 by 40 stage. So they're all running around. So the first thing I do, I get them to say, okay, everybody pick up the drumstick and play as fast as you can. So you have to desensitize them in a way. Then when they're desensitized, I can reach in and grab them because their brain now, they're in that cognitive <laughs> Okay, yeah. so then that's when I can reach in and say, do me a favor, go right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Then they can do it. Because normally if they were just uh, in there without desensitizing them, so to speak, right, they'd just be playing, playing. So if I say right, left, right, left, right, left, right, there's no way they would do it because they'd just be playing as fast as they could. So once yeah. I bring them to that level to desensitize them, to get that out. Now, sometimes I have to stop uh, six or ten times within a half hour because the ADHD is so bad. So I'll say, yeah. do a pattern with me, um, um, like We Will Rock You, for example. And then the last one, you click the sticks together. So it's click, click, right? So a lot of them can't even do it. They're still walking around, running around, whatever. But once I tell mm-hmm. them to play the drum pad as fast as you can, okay, stop with your hands. Now just your feet. Sit down and just move your feet as fast as you can like you're running in place. And now I can reach in. Now they're desensitized. I can reach in and grab them for a little bit and get their attention and get that uh, synaptic pathway to now start developing the correct way. And that's when you do it. You're almost like distracting them from their disability is what's going on in a way. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's a very good point. 
a very good point. And the definition that they now have operationally, that they are ADD, that they are ADHD. How do they know? People keep telling them. Their parents tell them, the doctors tell them, everybody's telling them what they are. And they will, their brain will follow the instruction from an authority figure because that's the way we're designed. That's the way it works. They listen, the brain listens to the mind and it responds. So, you know, we were talking about that earlier today when we were talking about in total biology what we refer to as the diagnosis conflict, which is actually considered the most serious of all the types of emotional conflicts of them all because the body listens to the brain and the brain listens to the mind. And if the mind is told by someone of authority, especially like a doctor, that you have six months to live, young boy, or you uh, have X disease, uh, including being uh, autistic or what have you, Look what happened with you. You There was a tendency then to believe it and to actually make it real. And you were sharing with me earlier about when doctors thought, because they didn't know what else to call you, that you had cerebral palsy, only to find out a bit later that, in fact, you did not. And the emotional relief you experienced by being told by an authority figure that you did not have it, that changed your world. Boy, it sure did. It sure did. So that, it's just a level of the of the play that we need to stay mindful of. That's all. Um, I want to ask you, and we're, we're heading toward a close very soon, but I, I would like to ask you, since I asked you about medication, I wanted to also ask you, have you experimented at all, Pat, with the use of drum therapy for uh, issues around addictions, be they drug addictions, alcohol, or any substance abuse? Uh, no, I have not. But that is something that I look forward to doing together with you, and I think we should. Okay. Do you, you, I imagine that your supposition is that it could be of truly great therapeutic service. Uh, yeah, I would hope so. But then again, so uh, let's just think about that for a second, your question. <clears throat> So maybe if somebody decided they needed to drink or they needed to do some type of drug or put a needle in their arm, maybe if we got them to play on the drum pad, do something with the modalities of drum therapy to retrain their brain to not to do that negative action. Yeah, that's, that, that would, that's a pretty wonderful that's thing. That's what I'm thinking. Could do that. That's what I'm thinking. Exactly. Okay, well, I'm glad I brought it up as a as a an, a new area for exploration. Um, I'd love you to uh, share with us in closing uh, your experience in Israel. You were sent over by the Obama administration, Department of State, to work with both Israeli and Palestinian children. Could you wrap up by telling us what that was like? 
Well, yeah, we had uh, also one of our uh, uh, therapists go with us as well, and that was pretty amazing. We we sat in a community center where the program was done and working with those kids, and it just goes to show that, yes, okay, they spoke English somewhat, but even, I guess, music really is the universal language because if a child or anybody from wherever around the world, different language, different culture, if you do one hit on a drum pad or two taps on a drum pad and and they see that and follow you, that's pretty amazing too. So that helped in that situation because that's we were so then able to, able to gather and really help in, 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 a, in, in the West Bank region of Israel where there are Palestinians that do live there. So to bring yeah. those kids together, too, in such a positive form, uh, that yeah. was such a great honor as well. Really well. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Such beautiful peacemaking. Peacemaking. You know? Yeah. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing, among the other things. Well, I want to just thank you so much for your good work, Pat. It's uh, remarkable, and I really hope that uh, we can spread it far and wide into the far reaches of hospitals and clinics and research centers and uh, school systems where this kind of where violence and the issues around self-mutilation and ADD and autism, which is on the rise across this country uh, for lots of reasons. We're not going to go into that here. But your work is becoming ever more important. So uh, thank you. And your organization is also a nonprofit 501c3. So let our audience know how they could get in touch with you in case either they have children or adults who could use your services or know other teachers or psychologists or schools that would like to get trained in your systems or people who would just like to support your good work. Yes, they can get in touch with us on our website at www.dadprogram.org or even if they call us, 973-725-5150. And there's a variety of ways. It's not just financial. It's just reaching out and, 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 and helping. And, and there's so many things that we do to volunteer too that I do myself. So it's not yes. it's not all about the money. Money is important, yes, but I do a lot of volunteering. Too. Oh right, sure. But it's not about the money. No, not at all. That that's just an energy to help keep things going, including us. But I can't so, you reach know, more people. Right, and we can't reach more people unless we have people help us reach those people. So, if there's exactly. anybody listening so. that wants to contact us, yeah, we'd be more than happy to speak with you. Absolutely, that's wonderful. Well, that's one of the rules a better world media plays is helping bring the sung and the unsung heroes of society out into the world and broadcasting their good work so others can hear and benefit. So, uh, Pat Guizaldo, thank you again for being on today and sharing your excellent work, Drum Therapy, with our audience. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor, and thank you for the great work and all the wonderful things that you're doing in helping keep these people informed. Uh, we need we need more people like you, that's for sure. <laughs> Thanks so much. Really a pleasure. We'll talk again soon.
Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Pat Gesualdo, wonderful, wonderful man, as you could tell, and uh, doing such good work. It's just, how do you say, in a world that is uh, falling apart at the seams on institutional levels, etc., we have these people on the ground, like Pat, uh, who are creating a better world. Indeed, really are. And the good news, folks, is that there are millions, millions and millions of people who are deeply good-hearted souls who are doing extraordinary work, creative work to uh, support their local economies, their local villages, their local towns, uh, their families, and uh, innovating on all levels from this inner ecology, inner ecosystem, I like to call it, uh, work that Pat is doing, a lot of the work that I do, of course, as well, with counseling and coaching and psychotherapy, holistic, and working with energy, um, the life force itself with Qigong and uh, mindfulness meditation, stress management. And then looking at the outer world, so to speak, outer world, where we need to redefine and re-foundationalize the basis of our society, its energy use, its outer energy use, as well as its inner. And it's happening. Renewable energies are growing, and people are getting the message, and things are beginning to change in a very, very positive way. So, uh, with a note of hope in the middle of the collapse, I want to say, if we keep coming together and building community, a lot can happen. Also, just in respect to the good work that Pat Giswaldo is doing, I just want to say a word about a film I interviewed the... uh, a uh, social worker who is behind this amazing documentary, which you haven't seen, I would certainly recommend, called Alive Inside. And uh, I covered that when I was on uh, Progressive Radio Network with Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin uh, a year or two ago. I did this interview. And it was about playing music in senior centers and nursing homes where the people were essentially without much life force, heavily medicated, i.e. drugged, and some of them couldn't even remember the name of their own child or recognize their child. Varying levels of senility, of Alzheimer's, etc. When they were played on an iPod, the music of their era oftentimes, you know, big band music and the like, they came alive so magnificently. It was like, not overnight, it was within seconds. Some of them started to tap their feet and snap their fingers and sing along words from 20, 30, 40, 60, 70 years before were right on their lips. So music, my friends has such a powerful 
influence. It's a form of DNA, of linguistic, of sound DNA that speaks to our cellular life as well as to our spirit. And I feel that uh, Pat is reaching and accessing that kind of energy with his great work as well. So just to remind you. Well, I thank you so much for joining me today here at A Better World and honoring this powerful, powerful technique. And if you know people that should hear this show, please forward them the link and contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net, the direct personal uh, email address, mjr at abetterworld.net. I so appreciate your feedback, your comments uh, from all of our shows, this and others. Please, please share, and that helps us improve what we're doing here at A Better World Radio. We're also on A Better World television in Manhattan in the Big Apple every Monday evening at 7 p.m. at this point, and you can watch it on television if you're in Manhattan or on our website, abetterworld.tv, if you're outside of Manhattan. Just by clicking through at the top of our website, you cannot miss it. If any of you are interested in in my uh, coaching, consulting, counseling, stress management services using biofeedback or want to join our group in New York City, please do. I'm looking at doing this also online, kind of a teleconference kind of video, Skype type of thing, and uh, that would allow people from across the world to really join in on the group work that I've been doing called the Better World Workshops. A better world and heaven on earth. So uh, you'd be most welcome to join us when I get that mounted. And for that, uh, we do uh, live on uh, contributions. We are also a nonprofit 501c3. We do have a donate button right on our website. However, for larger donations, please contact me at that same address, MJR at abetterworld.net or 212-420-0800, 212-420-0800, and uh, we can talk about that. But for uh, donations of under 500, certainly you can use our PayPal donation button and uh, do so as friends and family since we're a nonprofit. Uh, it qualifies, I'm quite sure, and uh, all will be good, and we so appreciate your participation and contribution in any way that you can. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you all next